Hello, and welcome to OKC Span, the only podcast called OKC Span. Welcome to OKC Span, the podcast. Uh, it is, it is I, your best friend, Marty Wayne Piercy. My middle name is Wayne, like most criminals and serial killers. I have the name that is commonly associated with heinous crime, which is fine because I am a criminal. I like to do crimes. One of my most popular crimes is time crime. I steal time from the city of Oklahoma City by jaywalking. <laughs> I take, I take their time. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of police, um, I've got a cop here. Uh, I've got the chief of police as my guest today, uh, Wade Gordon. No. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, my, uh, my guest today, my, my co-host for today, let me... Let me say that my plan for this podcast is to have a rotating group of co-hosts. Recently, you heard my friend Lindley, who I called Lindsay. Well, today I have my today I have my friend Wes or Thomas. So Thomas uh, Ward is my, is my co-host today. He's a good buddy of mine, and uh, I think it's really funny. And also, we have. Uh, we have a podcast together that we just haven't started doing yet, right? It's in development. Pre-production, <laughs> We're as pre-production. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, That podcast is going to be about the TV show Supernatural. I'm a big fan of it. I've never watched it. <laughs> <laughs> Interested so, in it. Yeah, so the concept of the podcast will just be me trying to convince them that it's good. It's just the CW part that makes me very <laughs> skeptical because like, I... I 15 seasons, right? I mean, it's... Oh, my God. It's, I think, 17. Too many. It's too much TV. I, you know, I was having a conversation about this, uh, this idea this week that, like, there's just too much goddamn television. Like, oh, you know, like, I love Marvel Comics, and Mm -hmm. I really enjoy the MCU, and they released this show, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I was so excited about it. Really enjoyed it. But you cannot catch up on that show. It's 24 hours of TV per season. Like, I have to eat. I don't even know if it's canonical anymore. Exactly. Because of now there's the new shows. Yeah. And they're being part of the. Come on. (laughs) So, this is a welcome to OKC Marvel Cast. We're going to talk today (laughs) about. What's upsetting is I could. I could, uh, no, I could we, too. We could get deep into this. Oh, yeah. Uh, I maybe. know a person one day we could get for that. That sounds good. <laughs> That'll be a second episode yes. kind of thing. Um, every couple of episodes, we're going to not really talk politics, but just talk culture, uh, because Oklahoma City ain't that much going on week to week. But uh, today, uh, Thomas and I are going to talk about... Some stuff that's been going on in Oklahoma City lately. Of course, I want to talk about policing. Mm-hmm. Tom, does that sound yeah. all right to you? Sounds great. Um, well, since you're a police officer, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> not a police. That's gonna be my running gag yeah, for this episode. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So the one thing I want to bring up recently, I hope you, uh, the listener, uh, 
plural because there got to be thousands of you out there listening to hundreds this. Hundreds of thousands. <laughs> Episode two of an obscure <laughs> political podcast about Oklahoma City. I assume there are thousands of people. 19th biggest city in the country. Or 20th, but we're... Somewhere around yeah, there. So you got to have some... It's big. Not that obscure anymore. You know, and it's one of... We can really celebrate the physical size of our city. We have girth it's, as a city. That's what we are. We're the girthiest city in the United States of America. Why are we using that on all of our slogans? I saw the mayor at lunch today. Uh, if only I ate lunch after this, I could make that suggestion too. Do you think I should ask him to come on the podcast sometime? As long as I can be here. There's no fucking way he would come on here. I've interviewed him once. I mean, what was it for? The Plaza Big Awards. Oh. <laughs> you know what they used to call this? What? They used to call them, uh, I think it was Urban Pioneer. Ooh. Ooh that's so racist. Yikes. I'm so glad they changed the name. <laughs> that was really, really uncomfortable. You're the Urban Pioneer in the modern frontier. Yes. Ooh. Oh, I hate that modern frontier shit, too. I just, like, it's like, hey, white people, welcome to a place black people live. <laughs> I don't want to derail. It's a frontier. You're really ex- exploring. I don't want to derail anything, but I want to, I don't even think, would Oklahoma be the frontier? Wouldn't, I thought that was northern. I thought we were more like the, it just seems like you're not even paying attention think, to what you're supposed to be. I think from the, uh, in the uh, grotesque manifest destiny sense, yeah. that this was less frontier because it was more of a concentration camp. That's what I'm, Yeah. I, just uh, see, I thought South Dakota, North Dakota, the Montana, that's frontier. In the West, yeah, but yeah. definitely that, you know, I've uh, been... I hate the name, but I just... Oh, no, it's gross. It's almost uh, like you're ignorant and ignorant twice. Absolutely. <laughs> that big train that goes uh, from Chicago to, was it Seattle or San Francisco? San Francisco, yeah. It's called the Empire Builder. That's so fucked up. <laughs> it's um, just... For more information about trains, uh, please visit your local library. We weren't even talking about trains. <laughs> I was thinking about the show Hell on Wheels. Go learn more about trains. Um, your local library, but, just rent hell on wheels and you'll find out all you need about trains. <laughs> it's free on Tubi. <laughs> um, so recently the police, just a few years ago, the police department on their Instagram feed had an ad for employment. And it was just unhinged. <laughs> like the copy was like, do you want a high adrenaline job where you get to chase the bad guys? And it was just like an explosive career. And it was like, man, it's just like, it's not even coded language anymore. Like, hey, you want to kill some poor kids? Yeah, that is, <laughs> I don't even know how to handle that situation. No, and it was weird too, because it was like, the motif of the ad was like, donuts. <laughs> you I know we say that sweets. shit because we're making fun of you, right? You're not taking that back. Yeah, you don't get to. <laughs> you don't get to take that back. This ain't the word queer. <laughs> like cops, we we make fun of you for not doing shit and eating donuts. That's, That's all you do all day. <sighs> I don't like the idea that they're taking a job that, as they say, are peacekeepers. That's what. That's their whole <laughs> idea. That's their whole thing, right? Mm. And then you're saying, "Hey, remember that movie End of Watch? We can give that to you." Yeah, have fun. That's a real thing. Yeah, yeah it's oh. not what you're facing. Um, <laughs> Probably not what they're facing either. I'm just straight up. Anyway, one day, maybe in the next episode, we can talk about 
propaganda in film. Oh, I'd like to actually tackle really some of that. You're a good person to talk to. Anyway, um, so this ad was uh, absurd, more than offensive. I mean, it was just really, like, gross. Sure, it was gross, and it was like, uh, there's... Uh, was big it, truck just drove by. <laughs> um, I'm supposed to clap oh, like yeah, that no when we need an edit. Um, I was gonna say though, with what you're saying with that ad, it's almost like they're pretending they're in on the joke. Uh, yeah, and yeah. it's it, it's just absurd. Yeah, it, absolutely, man. That is a really good example. It's like a like a dweeb in high school. Mm -hmm. Like when you're not one of the popular kids, but you're one of the cool ones who like goes out in the side of the building and smokes in between <laughs> classes. You know, there's always some poor dweeb who doesn't fit anywhere and they just really want to hang it's kind of hard to put up with them i'm not saying that's okay i'm not saying we weren't assholes in high school most people <laughs> were but i'm saying there's going to be some dweeb that's like oh, i want to you know i'm going to be an outlier in your group i don't think anybody would say that <laughs> 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 it'd be pretty funny hey guys do you mind if i'm an outlier in your group hello fellow teens um Fellow students of Tecumseh High School. Anyway, that's where I went to high school. Shocking that a police force with one of the highest records of violence uh, no, it's, against it's, the citizens would be like, hey, we're all friends here, right? Right. No, it's cool. Huh? <laughs> I'm in on the joke. Uh, oh, ACAB means all cops are beautiful. <laughs> More like. Um, so, Wes, let's do a little... Uh, Wes, I called you Wes. Thomas, let's do a little... Uh, let's do a little role play. Easy. Okay, you are a candidate. You're okay. coming into my office. I'm the head cop. Consider me Wade Gorley. <laughs> I would love the idea that the chief of police interviews <laughs> people coming in applying to be a cop. It's <laughs> a pretty great idea. Anyway, okay, so for this scenario, I'm Wade Gorley. Mm -hmm. You're a young man looking for a job yeah. as a police officer. I'm not going to do my Wade Gorley voice because it's too much work. But it's a little like this. Anyway, I'm not going to try to stay in character. But, uh, Mr. Ward, have a seat. Sit. <laughs> Sit. So you want to be a peace officer. Oh, so bad. You've got a deep gut level desire to be in law enforcement. Where does... <laughs> Calm down, son. Where does that come from? Oh, I mean, all of the movies I've seen. Hmm. TV shows? Sure. I used to watch Cop with my dad. Oh, yeah, I love that show. Oh, it's the best show. Yeah, you know what they do on there a lot? Arrest people. It show the truth. Oh. They don't ever yeah. edit. This is authentic <laughs> television. Absolutely how it's supposed to go. Um, so, no, you're right. Those TV shows are good. What's your favorite Cop movie? Oh, I mean, number one, cop film. <laughs> well, while you're thinking of it, let Cobra. me tell you. Cobra. Was, yeah, I, was, we, I am not kidding you. I was just thinking about Cobra, <laughs> and instead I was going to say Tango and Cash, but Cobra was my first thought. I thought that's a cop that does his job. No, he's got a match in his mouth the whole time. It's fucking dope. I mean, guy, pardon me. <laughs> As the chief of police, I shouldn't say things are fucking dope, but it's pretty neat. It's a neato movie. Whenever he tells the, the man blowing up at the grocery store, mm -hmm. blow it up, I don't shop here, that's, that's, that inspired That's real me. policing. That inspired That's me. what I call community policing. 
Um, uh, <laughs> that's enough of this job interview. Uh, now let me ask you before you go. How are you with killing black kids? <laughs> like that? I don't know if he actually asks that in the interviews, but uh, I really hope that he doesn't. No, I also don't. I really hope that it, I want to believe that the. I want to believe my soul. That's not how they hire people. Oh, it's yeah. Just an interview, right? Just we, uh, you, like, you get you like to uh, like bullying poor people. So okay, so and I this is not my personal philosophical holding, but I can understand it. A, a colleague of mine, an attorney I used to work with, he described the police force of the town where we worked as mm -hmm. being very similar to the makeup of the teachers at our public schools in the town. There is a combination of people who really want to help the community and to serve people. And then there are other people who don't know what else to do, so I might as well do this. And that's really fucked up. But neither of those are jobs you should be in on a whim. Yes. Uh, or for convenience or ease of, you know, work. I, it reminds me of the military a little bit. You know, I mean, I think a lot of young people that are kind of lost, and we, we said the word cop again, and I do believe it's a real thing, yeah. that the media does portray cops in a certain way. Yeah, and, and I, even un unintentionally a lot of times. I genuinely, as a, and I do filmmaking, that's what I do for a living, and I, I work as an editor, and I love, I love movies. And I do love some movies about cops. I mean, there's just some that are oh, yeah. fun. Not most of what I watch on TV is cop stuff. I mean, I just think even... Uh, wow, that was not... Hang, hang on. Got a dog barking yeah. in here, Steven. Where is it? In the rafters. <laughs> Up in the ductwork? Um, okay. I, I mean, I think about some of my favorite media, you know, like Blade Runner. Sure. That's a cop. Right. And yet I know it's fictional and all these things. And I, I wonder how many people do. I, mean, I know I understand that the institution of police and I understand the history of it and I understand that it, all these laws are made to perpetuate these the same systemic issues mm -hmm. we have. Mm -hmm. But. I do wonder, like you just said, it, how many people in their minds think, oh, I'm going to do something good. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. you get brought into the system. I mean, the same way when you start a job at any job, it kind of just become part of that machine. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's kind of almost, I know it's, it's sad and you, you could just do the research mm -hmm. and not be there, but it is. I, I would like to think so. I, I'm not going to cast dispersion. I mean. Don't get me wrong, I will cast aspersions. <laughs> it's just the one that just came into my head I'm not going to cast. I do think that, uh, I think it's highly likely that there are people, a lot of people who go into policing thinking they're going to do good and serve the community. And a lot of them, I think, know that there are some, st some systemic problems within their department or all of policing in general, you know, I think that a lot of people in the system probably get it. Now, here's what I don't like is a lot of those people say they want to change it from within. Well, and man, this has come up several times in the last few days, but I have a favorite quote from, of all people, the musician, Father John Misty. 
I don't go to him looking for life advice, <laughs> I assure you. But it's just something he said in an interview that really stuck in my head. He was talking about not taking a major label deal because he doesn't like how the major labels operate. He doesn't like their business, and so he's going to dance with the one that brung him, right? Yeah. He's going to stick with this label that has helped him build his career, which I respect that, you know? And the uh, interviewer said, well, do you think that if you did get into the major label business, you could change it from the inside? And he said, when people try to change something from the inside, it means they think it's worth saving. Mm, I get what you're saying, yeah. yeah and I, you know, there are a lot of things that I'm like, no, I don't want to change that from the inside. Going I want gone. to completely, yeah, remove it and replace it with something good. I was having this thought recently about police. I mean, I wanted to preface that I do have a bias against law enforcement because my uncle was took his life in prison after a horrible abuse and he was having a psychotic break. So, I mean, I have my own personal biases and I understand these, but I was wondering after all this time of, I mean, it's been what hundreds of years we've had the police. Mm -hmm. I mean, or maybe not hundreds, but we've had them for a long time, at least the organized police force that we know today. Have we not created a society that now it's like, how do you even, is that not just a symptom? Like how do you can't right. get rid of this without fixing this and this and this, it just seems mm -hmm. almost, dystopianly impossible to get rid of the situation. It does, and the, the fact that even some pretty reasonable, otherwise pretty reasonable and even fairly progressive people, not just around the country and around the world, but right here uh, in elected positions in Oklahoma City, who just haven't navigated the idea in their head that maybe uh, policing isn't like the way policing is done is not a great idea and that it victimizes uh, almost exclusively the poor yes. and people of, of color uh, secondarily. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. I didn't want to clarify. Disproportionately affects people of color. I just don't want to get somebody like, well, actually. Oh, yeah, they're going to come up and not understand the idea of yeah. numbers and stats and yeah. 100,000. They're just going to look at numbers they think they get. Yeah. Uh, there are actually more white people in the jail. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's uh, because... I'm very, I'm very, very smart. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, you're a socialist and have an iPhone? You know, that kind of guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I... I would like a more I would like a more honest and legitimate conversation about this with those who have the power to change things. Now, I don't think we have anybody with that kind of power who's receptive to the idea in Oklahoma City, not the chief of police, not the mayor, not the city manager, um, just a couple of counselors. Uh, that are like what then brought to heel. Um, I mean, we this this state especially. Not mm -hmm. from here. Um, you know, when I moved here, I learned this state is very pro. Not they're not pro justice and they're not pro reform. They're pro revenge. These are yeah. they like punishment. Yeah, that's the I favorite part of that. punishment. They like the punishment because they believe. I mean, to be honest, I think a lot of that comes from Christianity. I think they they've been taught eye for an eye. This whole ideology mm -hmm. of. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think people would say that's a misrepresentation, but I don't think any Christian gets to say what's a misrepresentation. No. Like, I'm sorry, dude, like, you've got this opinion, but somebody who believes just as fervently as you has this other one. 
I so. mean, one of the most interesting things I've done in the past year is I went down to, I was one of the, part of a team with the Lexington. Uh, yeah, you told me, but yeah, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so we were in Lexington. It's the uh, transfer. It's not really like a, it's a jail, but what they do is they take inmates and they, it's more like the place you stop and then you get sent down. Right. It is people who are in DOC custody. That means people who have been sentenced. And so they are going from a jail facility to the DOJ facility, which is a transfer facility. So people uh, who've been convicted already go, not all of them, but yes, a yeah. lot of them go to Lexington before being taken to, you know, Altoona or, you know, Mac or whatever. Um, but also, uh, it's a lot of people on federal transfer from yes. prison to another. So it's a really interesting mix of, I just wanted to interrupt no, you yeah, to no. show off how much I know. No, I'm just kidding. I think that really helps just explain like what this place is. Yeah. And we interviewed about 30 uh, people. Mm. None of them, we had no guards. I mean, it was just us and them. So oh, we got wow. really, and I'll be honest, I've never been inside. Mm. I mean, I was arrested when I was 16 for some weed on me, but like, <laughs> I've never been in like in there. And it, it's intimidating. It is. I mean, sure. And then I realized as time went on, I was more intimidated by the guards. They were the ones uh -huh. with the bad attitudes. And these guys were going through a gang re rehabilitation program. Mm -hmm. And as we started talking to them, the most interesting thing I started to notice was, and I don't have any proof of this, but I, at least from the 30 interviews I did, I noticed religion was a huge part of their mm -hmm. rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. And at first you start to think, oh, maybe there's something to this. But then... When you watch it more, you start to realize it was almost a way to pacify them. Mm. These people had life sentences mm. over, I mean, one guy was there for 30 years, or 15 years, 15 to 30, for stealing a car with pepper spray. That's, mm. And he was a drug addict. Oh, he used the pepper spray to, to, to threaten the person into but giving I mean, up their car? 15 to 30 God years. Damn. That's, that's. Okay, let, there was a bottles drop in there, Steven. But I mean, 15 to 30 years, that's, that's far too much for, I mean, it's really just a car. Mm -hmm. And this man needed help, not punishment. He needed to get off drugs. He was a homeless kid. Absolutely. But I noticed they all had religion. Mm -hmm. And what was so interesting is even people with life sentences, they're like, oh, I found God and now I'm, I'm making up for this mistake. Mm -hmm. So when I die, I will be forgiven. Mm -hmm. And it, it, I was, like I said, it just, just me, what I personally felt when I, when I watched back these interviews, was it, it felt like they were using Christianity or religion in general to pacify these prisoners and make it feel like this was their fault. They made their own actions. And the only way they can, even though they've been given no opportunity to ever get reformed, the only way to get any bit of, I don't know, any bit of, I don't know the word I'm trying to use here, but it, it just felt like they were using Christianity mm -hmm. in a way that you're stopping them from questioning why they're there in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's... Not a person mentioned like, hey, why did I get the sentence much longer than this person? Yeah, and there are so many, I mean, like, God, I don't know how many hours it would take us to just go over the many flaws oh, yeah. in, our, in our criminal legal system, obviously. I think most, not everybody who's listening to this would have, I hope, you know, you will eventually agree with me on this, but I know that everybody doesn't now. Not everybody's an abolitionist. 
I hope everybody will become <laughs> one. And I think if you really think about it with the right information, you'll become one. It's the closest thing to evangelism I have is like be like unionize your workplace. And <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, so. I mean, just um, the fact that most crimes can be prevented by opportunity. Like you could literally give people better schools, better health care, better food, better housing, and most crimes. It would eliminate yes. most crime. Uh, you know what crime it probably wouldn't? White collar crime. Yeah, that's there with capitalism. You know, uh, yeah. Uh, I know it, we're delving off, but I just I, I, that was an interesting thing we're talking about prisons and, and and police reform, and it's just I noticed. Well, I like that as a I mean, like to think about that because I don't listen. I'm, I mean, I grew up like most people around here. I grew up in a pretty fundamentalist uh, evangelical Christian household. My dad and my brother are both pastors of churches. Uh, I don't think anybody would be surprised that I'm the <laughs> I'm the, I'm not going to say black sheep because I don't know what it has to do with the color of the sheep. Anyway, I'm the, I'm the apple that fell pretty far from the tree. Um, they're all good people. But like, I wouldn't take, I got to a point where I didn't find that faith was a necessary part of my life. And furthermore, and I think, I think most people who study theology can, can relate to this point that like, sometimes what study is, is picking up the rope and following it along. And I got to the end of it and I didn't find anything there. And that was fine, I was satisfied with it. I'd done all this thinking and learning, it was fine for me to leave religion behind. I didn't need it anymore. A lot of people do, and I don't begrudge them that. It's not what I would choose for them, but that's what, I mean, like, people try to use that, you know, proof text of Mark saying that religion is the opiate of the masses, but that's totally out of context. What he said is that it's the soul in soulless conditions. It's the opiate of the masses in the sense that it is one of the only things that can bring uh, comfort and stability to an exploited working poor class and so I don't want to take it away from people I just don't want it to be the ruling factor in all decisions made I mean it's great to have a moral framework and like a, a calculus of what is acceptable behaviors but uh, making me not have an abortion for example I mean like the pretty obvious yeah. example right and I'm not that's well-worn territory to say I don't want to wear, I don't want to be forced to wear their religion, right? Well, that's what I was trying to, like, that's what I really meant as well, was that I, I don't have any, I'm not like coming in there like some like, you know, Reddit atheist being like, how could you believe in anything when you're in this condition? <laughs> right. Of, I mean, just one of the stories I remember this guy telling me, he was, they have a, they do dog training there. They train oh, dogs yeah, there. Oh, yeah, they train, like, yeah, like, yeah. No, and, I knew that. That's really interesting. And one guy, he, he did it for 15 years. He's been there for a while now and he's been training dogs the whole time and he's never had an issue. And one guard said that he had a bad day and I guess a phone was thrown and it, whole thing. Mm -hmm. This is the thing keeping this guy going is he's training dogs. This is like the thing. And mm -hmm. in one little incident, that guard went in, that guy's not training anymore. <laughs> so I understand how hard it is to be in prison. Jeez, yeah. I mean, I guess I never can cause I'm not there, but I'm I, not there. Yeah. But, and I'm not mad that they're finding some comfort in their religion it's just more of like almost like i said like the weaponization of it to mm -hmm. pacify someone yeah who was previously what they said is a maybe a violent inmate and yet now you're like oh well if you're going to keep that way 
look, I have this, I'm, I'm, I feel, I don't know, I feel like they use their presence as like a chaplain or someone to be mm-hmm. like, hey, I know more than you do about this. You're going to go to hell. Isn't that scarier than what you're in right now? Right. And yeah, they're, I, because I wonder, I would they believe this if I really, if they, if we said you're released just tomorrow, right? Would these people who are adamantly religious, yeah, would that not? Fade away if in a world of If your secularism? sentence was 15 weeks instead of 15 months or 15 years, would you get to that point of, mm, I don't want to condescend about it, but is it a sense of hopelessness and maybe desperation that leads you, I need something to cling to beyond this terrible position I'm in right now? I mean, like, it's the old yeah. adage that there are no atheists in a foxhole, which I doubt. I think no, I, probably most people in a foxhole are like, oh, we're fucked. We're yeah. well and truly fucked. I was wrong. There's no God. You know, I don't, I just, I've never been in a foxhole either. No. Plan to not. I would say like, I know I, a lot of my family's not very religious. We've mm-hmm. never been, my, my mom's side's Jewish, dad's side's Catholic, but never much mm-hmm. religion. And, you know, I got military in my family. Not many of them came back super religious. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> that's I don't know. I just, it, I, I don't want to put any thoughts or say anything that they might be believing. Maybe they do wholeheartedly love this religion. I, no, yeah. I have no issue with anyone having a religion. No. I no, just, most of the time I don't. It was just more of like a question where I was just, yeah, it was so interesting to see. It is interesting. I mean, we all, uh, right, this is very similar, I would say, an analog to this. You know, I spent a number of years uh, formally in services for people experiencing homelessness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'll hear people who don't, honestly, who just don't know, and they're just ignorant, and I don't mean that in a pejorative way, they just don't know, um, will say things like, oh, give them money, I'm just afraid they'll spend it on booze or drugs. I'm like, A, nobody tells you what to do with your money. And once you give that to somebody, it ain't your business anymore. And B of all, (laughs) like, yo, if you lived outside, don't you want to turn it off? Right. Like, yeah, man. Like, why would you resent somebody dropping out of consciousness when they're in misery? You wouldn't do that to somebody who had a chronic illness and they're on their deathbed in the hospital. You wouldn't deny them morphine. Like, why would you deny somebody? I mean, if I broke my foot and you wouldn't tell me you can't take painkillers. Yeah, right. So I just don't know why this is a condition because homelessness is not just a social condition. It's not just a lifestyle condition. That's a health condition. Yeah. Uh, people experiencing homelessness uh, universally have a shorter uh, life expectancy. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a health issue as well as a social issue. And I just, for a place like America and specifically a place like Oklahoma, Again, this is well-worn territory. I'm not saying something nobody's ever said before, but I am consistently taken aback by how all these liberty-loving motherfuckers (laughs) want to put the rest of us in a goddamn box, you know? And that's the thing is like, man, I hear so many complaints about about homelessness here. And let let me just say explicitly for anybody who doubted if you have a problem seeing homelessness in this community because you know it's not humane, you know that we've failed our neighbors, yes, you should feel disgusted when you see homelessness because it means that we have failed our neighbors. If you are bothered by seeing it because it's unsightly 
or there's trash in the in the empty lot or you know a fire started in some empty derelict house uh far mm-hmm. west yeah. uh or people are crossing the street at the bus terminal in front of traffic whatever that is your annoyance cannot possibly i mean it cannot possibly measure up to living outside yeah. i mean they just can't uh, and 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 when the stone ciphers of this community try to come up with scams to remove the visibility rather than to address the issues that cause this, well, we just waste time and money on nothing, on things that don't even don't even end up helping property owners. Yeah, you know, uh, which you got to know my. Yeah. Like low on my on my list of people I worry about is homeowners, yeah, like no. property owners. Yeah. I mean, like God bless you. You gotta live somewhere. I just like it's not that private property is not very important to me. <laughs> I mean, literally, plenty of other countries have a right to roam. Yeah, and we have none of it. You know, it's something I. You know, this is we're getting in the weeds a little bit here, but that's fine. It's not like we had an agenda. Um, something I like about. Uh, the French language, specifically in France, that uh, people who, uh, what we would say homeless, uh, they commonly refer to as SDF, uh, which is an acronym for sans domicile fixe, which means they don't have a fixed residence. Mm-hmm. Like, That's so much- what a transformative way of thinking about somebody, rather than, oh, this pariah, it's, okay, there's more noise in the back. Some more bottles clinking around. Anyway. They're looking um, for the warriors. That's right. <laughs> warriors. Come I was just talking about warriors today. Somehow everything I've talked about in the last three weeks Link. has come up today. <laughs> um, so uh, where was I? Uh, the French word. The Fre- Okay. So go back to SDF, which is S-D-N-F. <laughs> um, but that's short for, that's an acronym for sans domicile fixe, which means without fixed residence. And so like if we could be a little bit more thoughtful about this not this not being the sum total of a person, this not being the definition of a person, but a co-occurring condition mm-hmm. in their life, you know? And it is always co-occurring. I mean, there's never one thing that that results in somebody being, you know, without a home. I don't right? think people realize how quick in one one moment you are to living out I mean living without a home. I mean yeah. it's, it's well, in the last three years, uh, or, God, what year is it? God, it's like five years now. Jeez. When the pandemic started, 2019. Lord. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so in those, in those years, you know what? I lost the thread of what I was saying. This is a symptom of my illness, is <laughs> that I, honestly, I'll get in the middle of a sentence, just don't know what I was saying. Totally fine. That just happened. I was going to say, because we were talking about homeless. Oh, we homeless about homelessness. Yeah. Um, so I do mostly um, mostly do a lot of boring marketing jobs for a living. I do a lot of gig work. But mostly right. what I'm doing right now is I'm actually working on a documentary, oh. uh, too. But uh, I'm working on a short-form one about, I don't want to say where he is because I'm not trying to blow up a spot. But it's a man that I met, and he is... He, he is in an abandoned home that has been literally abandoned for years. And uh, so, I guess, legally, you'd say squatting in a place. Um, and, you know, I'll be honest, I grew up 
in the Bay Area in California, mm -hmm. and this was in the you know '90s to 2000s, and so it looked about like we look now. It yes, and you know when you grow up, kind of I grew up very poor, like nine people in a house, three bedroom. I mean, it was a lot of people, different mm -hmm. cousins, my family, um, because California was really expensive even back then, and I didn't have the best opinion of people living outside back then. I was taught right. by my family, I and mean, these are when you're in that level of poverty when you're a child you're kind of also mad at everyone you're just mad at everything yeah and it took me now that i have a much more stable life and when i met this man at first i was just kind of like great you know what's this gonna be you know and then we've actually become friendly and mm -hmm. i've learned so much with him and i i, I he i remember i asked him i was like hey you know you're he's he, the way he's living, I, I don't know. I don't know if I could do it. And there's no power. There's no water. Yeah. And he's in this house that literally a hoarder was in. And oh, she yeah. had to go to a home. So he's just been gutting it and yeah. trying to survive. And he, he, you know, he found out what I was doing, what I do for a living with documentary work. And he was just like, you know, my life's been real hard. Mm -hmm. He's been a drug addict since he was a teenager. He's 50 now, 54. Uh, he was like, you should do it on me. You should mm -hmm. do one on me. And he's like, I'd love to possibly tell my story to help someone not get to where I got. And it was his idea. And so now I've been working with him and talking with him and going through That's his great. home. And I think just, you know, we're talking about these are people. Right. And it's so easy to be, uh, get away. Mm -hmm. But when you actually start talking with them. Yeah, I think. There's a humanity that I think we've lost. And I blame a lot of things on why we don't have that connect to these people. Right. I think... Uh... Like that, relationships are very important in any kind of uh, movement work. Uh, knowing each other, knowing, learning who new people are, welcoming people in. Uh, like all of that's, all of that's pretty important part um, of of movement work. And I just think like it's the same thing. Like oh, you know these people who are just so hateful. Um, just think you just haven't you just haven't talked to somebody mm -hmm. you know and i'm i'm not saying relationships and connections cure homelessness there was a group that was kind of touting that sort of idea a few years ago no, here in town it's like i love you guys but no 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 it's a house a house yes, will solve a homelessness. literal place to live yeah <laughs> um and then it's great if there are connections because it can really offer some stability but really we need to get them in a house uh anyway like yeah, I definitely think that knowing somebody is going to remove a little bit of your of the hate you have toward them. I mean, it's just hard to it's hard to share a seat with somebody without ending up like understanding yeah. them a little bit better. And it's all very woo woo. Um, <laughs> but I'll say maybe to put a bow on that point, and I say this a lot because it stays true. What you will hear in any community, you'll hear it in Oklahoma City, in Tulsa, I hear it a lot lately in Norman uh, and being propagated honestly by some of the worst people in Norman. Uh, but every community says that some other community buses homeless people to their community oh, because yes. they're, you know, get them out of town. Not a thing. That no. is not a thing that happens. Norman is not filling a bus with people from the streets and taking them and dropping them off in Shawnee. 
California is not giving people a bus ticket and $100 to move here from California. That's just not a thing. But you know why we try to think that? To think otherwise means that we failed our neighbor. Yeah. And I, as, as dark as that is, like, that, like I'm going to pretend that you're not from here so I don't feel bad about it. I do think there's a little bit of something to be optimistic in that because it means there's some, at least some vestigial uh, lizard brain <laughs> part of them that feels uh, a responsibility, a tribal level of responsibility for the, to care for the people around them. Mm -hmm. And they failed to do that. We failed to do that. We failed to do it every day, right? Uh, nobody, nobody gets out without, you know, disappointments, right? But like, that is a huge hurdle, but I think once it gets crossed, like people can, not everybody, no. I mean, some people are just going to be hateful. Oh, yeah. And capitalism's going to keep capitalisming, <laughs> you know, and so people are going to say, well, I worked for mine and they didn't, doesn't matter what opportunities you had, whatever. Um, and I think, okay, I think why that is sociologically is this. Uh, we, most of us have been socialized to see liberty as a mercantile economy. There's a fixed amount yes, of liberty, mm -hmm. like a pie. And if I have a piece of the pie and you have a piece of the pie and somebody without any pie comes up, our, our pieces get smaller. That's not what happens with freedom. No. It's not what happens with liberty and agency, but we act like it is. Uh, and I think we get stuck in that uh, from being socialized to it. Oh yeah, it's... Uh, from childhood on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's just segue, and I don't have a segue, but that's uh, there's a lot of disrespect. So let me let me use that as a jumping off yeah. point. Just that amount. What we're talking about is just a general disrespect for people in a different life situation than you. Speaking of disrespect, let's talk a little bit about city council. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, full disclosure, if there was anybody who did not know it, I am married to a city councilor on Oklahoma City City Council. She represents the sixth ward of the city and her name is Jo Beth Hammond and she is married to uh, ne'er-do-well named Marty Piercy. Um, so how we met. That's true. That is how we met. Yeah. It was like knocking doors. Yeah, and I uh, helped you guys with uh, buttons. Yeah, I that's made right. Yeah, you buttons. did the buttons. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's dope. I remember that. That was four and a half years ago, though. I remember I found out where you guys were from, uh -huh. and I saw, oh, fellow Portlander, and I just jumped <laughs> on. I just I had, to, had to join the team. Yeah, I had to, I had to pitch in. Uh, <laughs> well, it was fun, too, because at that time, Thomas lived in a duplex, and his neighbor like, was oh. a super conservative, like, uh, like, broker uh, some kind of ca capitalist i yeah, forget they did um uh not legislate they did lobbying oh that's right oh even worse the person was a lobbyist mm -hmm. and so they had <laughs> at their duplex they had two yard yeah. signs <laughs> <Yep. laughs> it's really funny to drive by like because it looked like one house and so you just can't make just hedging your bets huh? it was so strange um, but yeah so uh yeah but uh, to city council, um, 
we're getting toward the end of this episode, so I just want to throw it out there, and we might talk about it more later, but this is just a thing that happens, is there is a level of disrespect uh, toward Nikki Nice of Ward 7 and Joe Beth Hammond of Ward 6, and to some lesser extent to James Cooper. The fact that everybody's so nice to James uh, is great. Don't get me wrong, but it shocks me that an openly gay man is sitting between two hyper right-wing conservative people, oh, and they yeah. chat all the time and have a nice relationship. That's just not who I am. I'm just fundamentally, I'd love to be that magnanimous of a person, but I ain't. I'm petty, and I'll throw hands. So <laughs> I just, I, that's just not me, but I, I love that about myself. With, I, I have an issue with not just, you know, you're there in the opportunity, you got to say something. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that's me. Mm-hmm. I no, just, yeah. No, I hear you. No, I like there. I really, I mean, of course, I have great respect for Joe Beth because I, I don't be really sad relationship <laughs> uh, otherwise. But uh, in her position as an elected official, I really respect her uh, calm and her judiciousness and her thoughtfulness because people will come at her with unhinged, hurtful, scary shit. And she's got to handle that as well as showing up to work and just having assholes act like assholes to her. Um, There was an item last week actually up two weeks before that for the last several years well not all of them last year and a few years before Joe Beth and Nikki got to travel to a conference uh, called local progress and it is a lot of local politicians uh, I think the highest level is maybe maybe congressmen, mm-hmm. uh, maybe, but it's typically going to be state-ledged down to, like, mostly it's county and city yeah. um, elected officials who meet. And the mission of the, of the organization, Local Progress, is to increase community involvement in local issues to make progress, right? It's yes. right there in the name. <laughs> People threw a fit about it being. Uh, Saw this, yeah. Yeah, right. About it being some liberal Marxist uh, summer camp. Um, and here's the thing: they asked, as they always have, for uh, the city to pay for them uh, to go to this. Do you know how much money they asked for? No. Fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> we could do a GoFundMe in two days. We'd have fifteen hundred dollars. I mean, just stupid. And let me tell you one more thing about that: a significant portion of that, Nikki and Joe Beth get uh, get uh, scholarship typically to go to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the city pays for it, the city is reimbursed more than half of that amount. It's just the idea that anybody sneezed at this even is absurd. And it, and it is specifically, and I know, I know I'm biased, it is specifically uh, about this black woman and this shrill white lady getting uppity. Oh, I mean, that's if, what if it is. If this was the that. other guys going to, you know, 
It's a reli oh, oh, right-wing religious. You mean the several Chamber of Commerce trips per year that we spend thousands of dollars on sending uh, counselors and the mayor to? You mean things like yeah. that that always automatically get passed? I don't think uh, there's no way the mayor paid for his like Mayors of America tour that he did that nope. thing. That, <laughs> nope, that's ours. Yeah. We didn't pay for him to go to the World Cup. Oh. As far as I know. Um, if I found out we did, I'm <laughs> going to further melt down. Honestly, I was so pissed that he went anyway. It's like I did not see the mayor endorsing slave labor. Uh, of any and, World Cup to go to. Right. That's not the one to support. Go to the worst one in history. Go to the one that they changed everything about FIFA to have and used slave laborers, some of whom died. Yes. It... But by all means, celebrate world unity, uh, Mayor. I mean, I understand what they're doing because this is, this is, I mean, the idea of community involvement literally goes against the whole entire idea of most of the, <laughs> the previous council people. Like this is that, that they have been in power because of lack of community involvement. If right. you look at the numbers of people who voted in our community, for this local is, elections? <laughs> this is not untrue. Um, I, you know, there's not a lot of glory in being on city council anyway for any of them. So, I, you know, I don't want to, well, don't get me wrong, I want to talk shit on each of them in turn. But, like, as far as doing that, conservative, uh, not conservative, progressive, liberal, centrist, well, liberals and centrists are exactly the same thing, <laughs> but uh, it's aggressively moderate. <laughs> moderate extremists in the Democratic Party. Social capitalists. Oh, my God. Um, but uh, so, yeah, there's no, like, glory in it. it. It is largely just public service, thankless, and it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't pay. Yeah, no. Uh, counselors get $12,000 a year. The mayor gets twenty four k a year uh, because he is the at-large city councilor. Let us not forget, the mayor yes. is specifically the at-large city councilor. <laughs> anyway, uh, love, to, love to throw that out there. Anyway, uh, yeah, so there's not like glory in it, but there are opportunities in it, and that's something that troubles me, because like you can go back through some of the record of, like, incentive packages and deals that like the city made for for businesses like Costco or well and specifically there's one I'm not gonna say his name <laughs> because I don't have uh, hard evidence to provide so I don't want to commit slander yes. nor libel <laughs> but there was a city councilor who may or may not still be on the council who, when Amazon was, when the city was negotiating with Amazon about basically paying them to put this facility out here, but without chipping in on, say, bus service that would bring workers out there, um, it was a controversial vote among the council. Like, there was a lot of up and down, like, a lot of conversations. And this one particular councilor was going to vote no. But they have a cartage company of some sort and realized that they would make a shitload of money off of Amazon packages. And so they voted for it. Mm. That's, I, I mean, mean, that's just corruption, yeah. but it's right, to, and it's out in the open. Yeah. You know, I mean, it doesn't take much homework. Listeners, it doesn't take much homework to find out who I'm talking about and how that worked out for them. Um, but yeah, uh, 
that kind of stuff happens up there. What, so if you're in the minority, if you're Joe Beth, Nikki, and again, to some extent, James Cooper, who, by the way, I love and is my friend. I'm not, no, yeah, not talking shit. Yeah. It just, we, we aren't the same, so we're going to see some things differently. But, uh, yeah, like, wh- how can they move the needle? That's the hardest part that I noticed. And even the things that have been positives, you mm-hmm. still see people that largely don't live downtown. Mm-hmm. Mostly people that come up from Edmond and they come downtown, they're mad by the bike lanes. They're mad about the train car, which I'm mad about where it's at, but I'm not mad about public transportation. Right. I don't love the circle it does. But oh, I no, the trolley, it's I wish it went, dumb. You know, I wish it went to places. Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge street we can go down. Oh, up. man. Classic could take, too. But, uh, you know, the, the rapid bus thing. Okay, really looking forward it's gonna to It's going to be awesome. Rapid you, know, you know these people that don't live down here and don't benefit from it are going to complain. No, we've, in, already, we've already been getting it because, like, part of the route, it will have stops along the way that are in front of businesses, and and uh, we've had a couple of businesses upset about it, uh, which is definitely NIMBY shit. Where it's like, well, we don't want people, poor people, dropped off in front of my restaurant. It's like, well, this isn't. This is here to include everybody instead of what you think of the bus, which is not accurate. That that it is for poor people and people with DUIs. That's not the case. I take the bus almost exclusively. It's how I'm going home today. I you love know? the bus. Yeah, absolutely. I don't have to think about driving. I don't drink, but when I did, man, I could drink as much as I want. I ain't driving, you know. It's, yeah, it, and honestly, we have a pretty good bus system. People don't yeah. seem to realize. Yeah, I mean, it, there are there's a lot of room for improvement. Oh, but now yes. our system is good for the size of our town. Uh, now, not for the physical size, but no. I can't fix the fact that we have several hundred miles of rural land uh, (laughs) in Oklahoma City. Uh, But uh, so, yeah, we're we're coming to a place to wind up. We're almost at an hour, in fact, kind of went over. But uh, yeah, a lot of that stuff. We'll we'll get into some more of that because actually uh, next time I next time I have you on, Thomas, uh, which will uh, we'll peek behind the curtain. Be about 10, 15 minutes from right now. <laughs> uh, but I do want to talk with you about public transportation because we both use public transportation and also come from places with like yes. excellent public transportation. So I kind of want to get into that with you. For now, though, uh, Thomas, thank you for coming uh, for the first time, and uh, we're definitely going to have you twice, and hopefully we'll have you again in a few weeks to, to come on. I will always be here. Awesome. Just let me know. <laughs> awesome. And uh, folks at home or in your cars or at work, I hope you're listening to this at work and not doing shit for the boss, <laughs> um, but uh, we'll be back and... Uh, Man, I had something else I was going to say, and it totally drifted off into the ether, but that's okay. Um, this has been OKC Span. <laughs> what is my burn called? <laughs> OKC Span Podcast Edition. And uh, I want to thank you for listening, and thank you, Thomas. Thanks for having me. Goodbye, everybody. This has been the OKC Span Podcast, produced by Mostly Harmless Media. Theme music by the incredible Nate Ward. <laughs>